Good morning, good morning. As uh, Pastor Ross was giving me that gracious introduction, the Lord reminded me to pray for those who persecute you. So let's... Uh, <laughs> sad part about it is, is that sounds kind of true about our team the past few years. <laughs> hey, it's good to be back in Pittsburgh, and I uh, just want to let you guys know as we are preparing to get going this morning that my wife and I came in Friday night, and uh, after a long week at work, we, we, we get to town and just happened to pull in downtown just as the, the big protest is going on, and we, we felt like the children in the wilderness, I mean, we could, we could see our hotel, we just couldn't get to it. And we literally drove around for nearly an hour, talked to three or four different police officers, hey, we're from out of town, we really need to get to the hotel over there, and they're telling us all these other streets to try, and every route we tried, we could get close, but we kept running into some sort of uh, blockage. So finally, we came around again, and came up behind three or four cars that had another street blocked and it was just asked the officer, we were just trying to get to the hotel right there and saw the perfect example of law and grace. He said, well, I'm not gonna tell you that you can drive the wrong way down that street, but if you do, I'm not gonna give you a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so we were finally able to get to our hotel about 11 o'clock at night and and I was already had a, a heavy heart because uh, a couple days ago in Cleveland, there was some gang violence about five minutes from my church, these guys shooting across the street at each other. A nine-year-old girl in the back seat of her mom's car, bullet right through the head. And so I'm at, I'm at the office one night and a nine-year-old knocks on my door, her mom's there to do some custodial work and she comes in to talk with me and asks me why would God let her best friend get killed like that. I said, what? why didn't he just let the bullet maybe just graze her head and she'd be alive? And she, she never had a chance to, to grow up. And, and so you, those are tough questions to answer for an adult, let alone a nine-year-old who's grieving. And so I thought God had given me a wonderful illustration about people not always doing what he wants them to do. And so I asked her, I said, have have you ever done anything your parents told you not to do? She said, no. <laughs> okay, there goes that illustration. Uh, <laughs> but I finally was able to, to have a good long talk with her and, and try to answer some tough questions. And we finally steered the conversation towards heaven and, and getting to see our loved ones again and your friend being healthy and, and grown up and, and no more gunshots and no more pain and and, and finally, the Spirit of God brought some relief to her heart as she was able to look to the future and not just f try to figure out why God let this happen. But what a good reminder we need to teach our young folks the value of life and love and, and doing what God wants us to do while we're here. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments today about the hidden danger of success. Some of you say, why would someone from Cleveland want to preach a sermon about success? What do you know? <laughs> um, I'm a man of great faith. I look to the future. I try to be prepared for whenever success happens. 
So with our Bibles open to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, let's talk about the hidden dangers of success. You know, we continue to live in a world that's full of men and women who work hard to gain various levels of success, only to see them stumble and fall as they approach the finish line and suffer public humiliation. While we should not be surprised to see it happening among ungodly people, the sad reality is it happens too often amongst those who know our Lord. Many have given clear evidence of having walked with God for a long time. Why are so many of them failing before they finish? What is the hidden danger of success, and how can we avoid becoming another statistic? Now, we just celebrated Father's Day a week ago, and the sad reality in our community is that we're at the point now where somewhere between half and three-fourths of the young folks in our area are not living with their biological father and not being loved on by their biological father. And an even greater danger is so many of them do not have spiritual role models that they can uh, be actively involved with in their lives. That's an issue the church has to address. Because we were designed to be influenced by the people we, we grow up around, the people who become our, our role models. And our, our young people are constantly seeing people who appear to be successful by every standard the world uses, accumulating unimaginable wealth without having a relationship with the Lord. So it's understandable if some of them start to believe you don't really need the Lord in your life to be successful. You could name a lot of businessmen, you could name a lot of entertainers, you could name a lot of athletes who give every appearance of being successful, but they're not trusting Christ. So what are some of the hidden dangers of success, especially in the life of a believer? Let's pray and see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Father, we thank you again for this privilege of being able to worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and Lord, it's our heart's desire that we not only serve you faithfully now, but serve you faithfully all the way to the finish line. And so we pray uh, that you would speak to each and every heart, make us aware of any issues that might be arising in our souls and spirits that could lead us astray. Um, bless our time together. Open the eyes of our understanding as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk this morning about a king by the name of Uzziah. The story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and he had some, some family history that obviously would have affected him also. If you uh, read some of the stories in the Old Testament about some of the kings, you start to notice that both his father and his grandfather started off following the Lord, but at some point in their lives, they got caught up in idolatry and and disobedience, and, and both of them were actually murdered before they finished their time of leadership. When you look in Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 2, you see what the real issue was with Isaiah's father. His father's name was Amaziah, and the scripture says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a whole heart. That describes a lot of believers today. On the outside, we're doing all the right things, but we're not doing it wholeheartedly. And when we're doing that, we've left an opening in our heart that the enemy would love to attack. Amaziah's life was characterized by a combination of outward obedience with a divided heart, acknowledging the Lord while at the same time embracing self-serving pride. And so in a time of battle, he enlisted the help of 
mercenaries to fight alongside of him instead of trusting God for the victory, and he lost his divine covering. Later on, he turned to idolatry, actually worshiping the idols he brought back from a defeated foe. Here's, here's a king who, who knows the only true and living God, and yet as he conquers the, the Edomites, he brings their false gods back to Jerusalem to worship. See, a lot of people had bought into that, that lie that every country had their own gods protecting them, and if my army could defeat your army, then my gods were stronger than, than your gods. And so here's a man who knows better, who brings back some gods who couldn't protect the country that he had defeated, and he actually starts to bow down and worship them. And eventually he lost his life. So Uzziah had a couple bad examples in his life. We have to be aware of any family patterns or history that may put us in a vulnerable position. Because what we observe and experience affects us more deeply than we sometimes realize. Second Chronicles chapter 26, let me read for you from verse 1 to verse 5, where the word of God says, and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Everything was going well for decades. The scripture says as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So what we see in our society today is people seeking prosperity, and they just want the Lord to give it to them. But the Bible says we are to seek the Lord. And as we do that, he prospers us in our way. We're not to be seeking material prosperity for the sake of that. We are to seek the Lord, and as we do so, his blessing accompanies our lives. That's how Uzziah was living for a season in his life. He was successful. Most of us have a strong desire to be successful. Yet sadly, we often define success in ways that do not align with Scripture. If we seek the Lord first, we learn that faithfulness is better than success. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink and what you're going to wear. Everybody's concerned about those things. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As Uzziah sought the Lord, he prospered. He had an amazing record of accomplishments as a leader. Oh, by the way, and if you see a little bit of his story in 2 Kings chapter 15, he, initially his name was Azariah. But as he ascended the throne, he changed his name to Uzziah. Azariah means Jehovah has helped. Uzziah means Jehovah is strength. I want to read briefly his accomplishments. God put them in his holy word. I want, uh, let's look at them just for a few moments. 2 Chronicles chapter 26 Starting at verse 6, the word of God says, He went out, made war against the Philistines, broke through the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod. He built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Moonites. 
The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns, for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war, and divisions according to the numbers and the muster made by G.L. the secretary and Masiah the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Isaiah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem he made machines invented by skillful men, and to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones, and his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Under his leadership, the economy was just booming. They were victorious in battle. The, the Philistines, you know, their, their longtime enemy, Gath, where Goliath was from, he's, he's defeating these armies. They've got access to the Mediterranean Sea, which is increasing their economic opportunities. God is showing him how to get the best out of the, the soil, and so the farmers are being blessed. The shepherds are being blessed. The army is being blessed. Everyone under his leadership is doing well. He was blessed to have the spiritual influence of a prophet by the name of Zechariah, not the same one who wrote the book of the Minor Prophets, but he had a spiritual mentor in his life. He was a success by every measurable standard. His fame spread far and wide. Down in Egypt, people saying, look at how God is blessing Uzziah. Hmm. Over 50 years. They developed weapons. They, they, they tell us that they learned how to catapult boulders that weighed up to 300 pounds a distance of a quarter mile. I, I don't know about you, but I, the thought of something that heavy falling on me after having flown that far, would uh, I, I could see a big headache coming from something like that. <laughs> the economy is, everything is going well under his leadership for over 50 years. Can, I don't know about you, I, I can't think of any political leader, Republican or Democrat, that I'd want to sit under for 50 years right now. I didn't name any names, don't even go there, okay? <laughs> but everybody's pleased under his leadership for decades. But so you've got to guard your heart whenever you experience any level of success. Great accomplishments must be matched by great humility. Because it's actually the Lord's work. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, you'll be fruitful. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, if you serve the Lord and you, you read in Scripture that we're all going to appear before the, the judgment seat of Christ and, and be rewarded for our works. And yet Jesus says, it's actually me that's doing the work in you and, and through you. So God is saying, let me work through you, and then I will reward you as though you had done the work. Does your boss do that? Probably not. 
God says, I'll do the work. You make yourself available. You honor me. You get blessed. This is a constant struggle for the human heart to give the glory and praise to the one who alone is worthy of it. Jesus reminds us again that without him, we couldn't accomplish anything of any lasting value. And we couldn't do anything at all unless he gives us the strength, unless he gives us the wisdom. Great accomplishments must be matched by great humility. But you know your heart as I know my heart. Pride is an ever-present threat to our spiritual health. And it's often misdiagnosed or ignored until it is nearly terminal. At one season in my life, I, I realized that, that shyness can actually be another form of pride. Because some shy people are saying, I don't want to get up and look bad. So I'm not going to do anything. Well, that is just another form of saying, you know what, I am, I am so proud of me that I don't ever want to look bad. So rather than take a chance, I'll stay in the back. Beloved, if God wants you to stand up and make him look good, you do that. Because he's worthy of that. Scripture says, whom much is given, much is required. The Lord never demands from us more than he has given to us or invested in us. And with great privilege comes great responsibility. The ever-present danger of having great gifting, great intelligence, great resources is that hidden threat of pride becoming an issue. Paul said he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble so that he would not exalt himself above others. The Lord has to keep us humble so we can be used by him. Uzziah was an example of a man that had everything going his way. For decade after decade after decade. And the text says the Lord was helping him until he became strong. What, what does that mean? Have you noticed how, how difficult it is sometimes to reconcile the, the paradoxical statements in Scripture where on the one hand you're reading the verses where, where, where the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then the next day you're reading where, where Paul says, you know, I, I glory in my infirmities and, and my weaknesses because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. How do you balance that without letting pride become an issue? There's a way to boast in the Lord and be excited about what he's doing in your life and making sure you're constantly giving him the credit for it. Keep him in the forefront of your mind and realize that he's working in you and through you to do his will and his good pleasure. Uzziah is doing great until he starts to realize and think he is strong in and of himself. The text says in verse 16, of chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his own destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Beloved, we have to be aware of violating boundaries that the Lord has fixed. He's got safeguards and restrictions in place to remind us that he is in charge. The text says his strength, his pride, has caused him to become arrogant, filled with hubris. And, and the text says it's going to lead to his own 
destructions. He's now purposing to go in and burn incense and offer prayer and do a work that he knew full well that only the priests could do. And as the leader of the nations, he should have been careful to model obedience to the Lord's commands, not to think that he himself was above the law. God always has safeguards, always has restrictions, always has boundaries in front of us. There's always things that are off limits to us. It's been that way since the Garden of Eden. It's a good reminder that there is always an authority of figure higher than us and it's sinful pride that makes us think we can get away with anything we want to do and that is never true. Isaiah has become proud. He's become arrogant. He thinks he's above the law. He thinks he can do anything he wants to do because God has blessed his life for so long. He should have known from the story of King Saul that it's never wise for a king to do something that a priest alone is supposed to do or someone else God has assigned to do it. His pride has gotten the best of him. He goes into the temple. Now he's in a very vulnerable place. Beloved, God will always fight against anyone that's proud and arrogant. If that describes you, then you're destined to lose that battle. James chapter 4, verse 6 tells us that God resists the proud. It's a very strong word. He's saying he actively fights against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uzziah has allowed decades of success, decades of blessing to cause him to become more prideful rather than more grateful and humble. He thinks he can do anything he wants to do and God will just let it happen. Has that thought ever crept into your mind? You've been obedient for a long time. Maybe this once I can do something and God will just not give me any consequences. You never have the right to disobey when you feel like it. How do you feel when you drive through that school zone at 100 miles an hour and the cop pulls you over and you try to say, but for the last 15 years I've been obeying the speed limit. That doesn't help at the moment, does it? It doesn't matter how often you've been obeying God in the past, you still are obligated to obey him in the moment. It's for your good. See, the danger of prideful transgression is that the person realizes they are sinning against the Lord, but at that moment they don't care about the consequences. Psalm 19, verse 13, has a, has a very helpful verse about transgression. It's right above the verse we love to quote. Psalm 19, verse 13 says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Then the next verse that we all quote, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist knew that he had the capacity, as we all do, to do sin presumptuously. And he says, keep me back from that great transgression. Uzziah is about to transgress greatly. There are people who care enough about him to confront him. Look at verse 17. 
2 Chronicles 26, verse 17, the word of God says, But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. They withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong. It will bring you no honor from the Lord. Your response to correction will affect your consequences. As I had people in his life that cared enough to confront him about his behavior, it took courage to do that. Here's 80 valiant men plus the chief priests, and they're, they're warning him, you can't do this. See, some people look the other way when someone they work for, serve under, live with, is choosing to disobey the Lord. We, we need to have the courage to lovingly confront one another about sinful behaviors, about things that might undermine everything we've worked for. Hopefully that person will respond to godly counsel, and hopefully you're not that person playing with fire this morning. Your response to correction may affect your consequences. You can't control them, but you can lessen them to some degree. You, you may choose your sin, but I promise you God chooses your consequences. Your response may lessen the consequences. Look at verse 19. See, see how godly King Isaiah responded. Verse 19 says he became angry. He, he became enraged. He became furious. Furious. Anybody been watching those volcanoes just like that fury erupting? It's, one thing reminds me, I'm glad I don't have to go to hell, but... Um, <clears throat> But just a picture of those volcanoes erupting is a picture of fury. Here's a man who's just been given godly counsel, and it enraged him. If you get angry with people that care about you enough to confront you and correct you, consider yourself a victim of pride and repent while you still can. Uzziah becomes angry, and he's got this censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. I, I still marvel that God took somebody who had the same name that Uzziah originally had to try to correct him. They rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Isaiah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. Jotham, his son, became king in his place. Some of us struggle to receive advice or correction from just anybody. Who do they think they are correcting me? You ever had one of those moments and then pride is getting the best of you? Isaiah's actions provoked the Lord to deal with him harshly, and he was instantly changed from a leader to a leper. From someone who had been desired, and now he's someone who's despised. Someone who was scheduling appointments, and now he's someone everyone avoids. He went from adulation 
to isolation. In a moment of time, because he thought he could get away with transgressing against the Lord without consequence because he had a great track record. What a sad legacy to leave after being king for over 50 years. How do you want to be remembered? Are you becoming insensitive to the Lord's promptings because you've been walking with him so long and things have been going well so long? And, beloved, that's a dangerous place to be. We want to be obedient every moment of every day. Don't live off of what you've done in the past. Obey the voice of the Lord in the moment. Remember that one act of sin can ruin a lifetime of success. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Remember Paul told the church, you were running well. Who cut you off? Who hindered you? Who stopped you from obeying the truth now? Sometimes it's not somebody else. It's what we allow to go on inside of our own hearts. Finish line is getting closer every day. Keep running a good race. Keep obeying all the way to the finish line. It'll be worth it. Leave a good legacy for the God who did so much to make it possible for you to be successful by being faithful. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this reminder of how important it is to hear and respond to your voice every moment of every day. Help us yield ourselves afresh to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice who perhaps doesn't have a relationship with you, we pray that today would be the day that they hold up their hands and surrender to you. Embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Receive that gift of eternal life. And for all of us, Lord, help us to run a good race, to finish our course, and to keep the faith. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.